Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. In our dynamic and our container, yeah, my husband is monogamous to me and I am not monogamous to him. We say we have a one-way open dynamic. There have been times where he's been present. There have been times where he hasn't. And so we had to do a lot of work around what would this look like then? Because it is a safe, you know, relationship container that he and I had created as the foundation. What could we bring in to kind of add the elements of excitement? I am an empowered woman. Who knows what brings me pleasure sexually? Welcome back to Open Late, a Soulfire production. Today, I have such an exciting episode for you all. It is one that I've been waiting to record with a new friend, Anya. She has her own podcast. It's called Sexual Alchemy. And Anya is many things. She's a wife, a sister, a friend, a lawyer, a lover, an executive coach, a spiritualist, shaman in training. She wears a lot of hats. And previously, all of these descriptors, they needed to stand alone on their own in silos under protection of lock and key. She spent decades compartmentalizing the different parts of herself until she woke up one day at 40, exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. So today is the very mixing of all of these parts, and it's truly her alchemization. It's through her sexual alchemy that she claims and now celebrates the wholly integrated woman that she has always been, and that is her birthright. And this episode is going to be nothing short of that fabulous descriptive bio. I am so excited to bring you Anya. Hello, love. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. It's so good to be here. Well, I I have been waiting for this one because I get a lot of questions from my listeners and my audience. And one thing that I want to kick off by saying is you are the first person that I'm bringing on the show who has completely opened to a dynamic that most people would look at as very taboo. And that's how I always felt such a taboo in my, in my own world until I opened up and sort of got to see myself through others' eyes and, and see myself accepted through friends and family who I thought would otherwise not accept me in that way. And so you are far, part of the first sort of new generation of women that I want to bring on to show what other types of dynamics, what other types of sexual expansion is out there. And what we didn't talk about in your description, in your bio, is that you are a cuckoldress. So I want to dive right in and sort of give people an idea of what that even means. Mm. Because some people might not know and then I think there are some people that have a very interesting idea because of maybe something that they've seen 
So let's just launch right in. What does this term even mean? Well, I can say what it means to me. And I think what it means to me is that I am a sexually empowered woman who understands and knows that I like variety of experiences in my life. And I have chosen to be in a committed relationship. I have a husband, a partner, and I am not faithful to him. I do explore my sexuality with any number of other individuals that I that are of my choosing and and who I, you know, enjoy spending time with both sexually and otherwise. And so for me it means a woman who knows her desires and what her pleasure is and is not afraid to get that and is willing to do so within the the construct of a marriage where for me, I don't think all cuckolds are necessarily in a situation where they are faithful. I know of cuckolding couples where men are also free to have other experiences with other women, but in our dynamic, that's not the case unless I tell my husband he's going to do something, you know, with another person. And and of course it would be consensual. So for us, you know, the traditional definition I think of cuckolding is a woman who is quote unquote cheating on her partner. That's the way that it came about in Shakespeare all the way back when. And to make someone a cuckold was to be cheating on them and they knew it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it would be at their knowing. Today, you know, within the community I'm in, the range, just like with anything, with religion, with politics, with sexuality, there is a range that people can fall on. And on one end of the spectrum, you have people who say to be in a cuckolding relationship, you must be married. You must be stepping out on your husband. He must know about it. He must be faithful to you. And then we have other people saying, I can be a single woman and be a cuckold dress in search of my cuck, or I can be a single man Mm. that's a cuckold in search of my cuckold dress. And it's just that these are the tendencies that I have and the things that turn me on and the idea of seeing my partner with another woman or with another man or woman, or as a woman, the idea of having a loving, safe container of a relationship that is that where they are monogamous to me and I'm able to exercise my freedom. So it all falls along that spectrum. So I don't get caught up in a lot of the details about what it is or isn't, but for us, in our dynamic and our container, yeah, my husband is monogamous to me and I am not monogamous to him. We say we have a one-way open dynamic where I am free to have sexual experiences with whomever I want. And for us over the course of the last three years, it has been, there have been times where he's been present. There have been times where he hasn't. There have been times where I have established more of a relationship with the man that I am, you know, with that's not my husband. And then I have other people that are just friends or flings or lovers, you know, and so there's quite, quite a wide variety, but that's, that's kind of where we have been. Wow. Thank you for painting such a a clear picture of that because it's great to hear that there is such a spectrum because I know people listening are, are likely thinking, okay, there's this like one size fits all, because I think that's the model that so many of us are are born into and handed, right? When it comes to relationships. So when we see something that's other, we also try to put it into a box. It's just what, that's just what the mind does. Yeah. And so it's nice to hear that there are just like so many different 
dynamics and and you even mentioned, you know, community about this, which I definitely have some questions about community that I want to get to later. But for now, I would love for you to, now that we like know, okay, this is who you are. This is like present day Anya in her life. How did you get here? (laughs) Did you, is this something that you knew that you wanted? Like I, I certainly knew that I was attracted to women. And that was something that I like almost like lock and key and like threw it in the ocean, didn't really want anybody to know and, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't think it was something I would ever act on. Is this something that you knew was a turn on for you? And how did you go from, because I, you know, you talk about on your show being married before, um, maybe take my listeners down memory lane. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. So in a nutshell, I can say no, that it is not something I knew, but there were, you know, as with anything in your life, you have data points and like little pieces of information that drop in and you're like, oh, okay. Some of that makes some sense to me now. So taking it back, grew up Midwest, very religious family, very isolated, very sheltered, um, was not raised in an environment where sex was considered to be wonderful and beautiful. It was definitely keep it to yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of situation. So for myself, what I did know from also a pretty young age, so for, for your listeners, we just had a conversation for my show where you've told your story and there was so much resonance for me there just because I also knew from a pretty young age that I knew what felt good. I found my body I found my pussy. I found my pleasure points Mm. at a pretty young age. And I knew what felt good to me, but I also knew that that was private and not to be talked about. And we just leave that there. I was never somebody who was rebellious, straight A student, walked the line, but I enjoyed touch and I enjoyed my sexuality, but I didn't know what to do with it and it felt real dirty. And so... Mm. When I was in high school, my first experience also was not exactly consensual, but it also wasn't really clear that it wasn't consensual. It's confusing. And what I didn't know was how to, how to hold in the same space that I don't think that I wanted that to happen. And I also enjoyed it. Right. Mm. So I knew that. And that relationship continued and I stayed with that person for a couple of more years and we continued to be sexual, but I was the only one in my peer group that was being sexually active. And I was, I think I was probably about 17 at the time, um, because I grew up in this very, very sheltered area. So when I went to college and that relationship ended, you know, I had a series of other relationships until I met my now husband, my current husband, I'm sorry, both of those are wrong. My first husband, <laughs> not my now or current husband, my first husband. So I met my my first husband in college and we waited uh, probably two years to have sex and we played around and did everything else. But, but, but at the time he considered himself a virgin because he hadn't had vaginal intercourse with a woman. Um, they'd done everything, but lots of things in between, but they hadn't had penis and vagina sex. Mm-hmm. So we waited a long time and finally had sex. And it was fine. You know, our sex life was nothing great. We ended up getting married and I'd call, I'd often say that like, we're weekend warriors. Like we'll, we'll, we'll make time for that on the weekend. But like, we didn't have time for that during the week. It just wasn't a priority. 
But come to learn, I think we were just so sexually repressed and like cut off from our own sexuality that he was exploring with other people. I didn't know it. I wasn't. And when I found out, it was devastating for me. And I look back at the end of that relationship now in a very different way than I did at the time. You know, at the time I had a three-year-old son. I was devastated. My world had fallen apart. My husband's a cheater. He cheated on me multiple times. And now when I look back on it and reframe it, I can just see like how ill-equipped we really were to be stepping into the space we did when we got married. Mm. We didn't know what we wanted. We knew, we knew that he had more of a gypsy soul, had the idea that he wanted to live a life that was very unordinary. And I was in this like straight and narrow, like must go to law school, must have children, must do things this way. And he's like, but I want to DJ and I want to own my bike shop and I want to, you know, and I'm like, no, that's not what grown people do. So we just weren't supporting each other. Like I didn't even know who I was yet. And the funny thing to me is if he and I, if he even knew what my life was like today, he would be like, we totally could have made things work. Right. But it just wasn't aligned. You know, we we weren't we weren't growing at the same pace in the same direction. And we felt like our sexuality was something we couldn't really address and we didn't know how. And so that was a travesty. We had this 10-year marriage that just fell apart and never, you know, never really had the chance. So after he and I split, I I went through a very very dark period by myself before I allowed myself to start dating. And once I did, I recognized this like awakening within myself of my sexuality and where my attraction for men lie, where it was, who I was attracted to. And I ended up, for lack of a better word, just really getting my slut on for a few years. I really enjoyed exploring sexually and having these connections with people that some lasted, some didn't, and I didn't care. I didn't need it to, you know, and it was really kind of getting into that part of myself that was like a sexually empowered woman, but from a really broken place. I hadn't really yet done the work on healing the parts of myself that felt like I was a failure. My marriage failed. Maybe I don't want all the things I thought that I wanted you know? And so when I was approaching 40, I knew, I knew that I was a bit of a mess. I knew that I was enjoying some of the sexual relationships I was having, but there wasn't a lot of fulfillment. There wasn't a connection that I was making with people. And so I kind of went on a bit of an audit for myself with my life. And I ended up having this incredibly beautiful and spiritual experience. On my 40th birthday, I took my son just the two of us. And we went to Hawaii for about 10 days. And I I kind of was like reborn a little bit and I felt new and I felt free. And I finally understood that like my worth wasn't defined by the status of relationship that I was in. And I finally understood what people talk about all the time when they talk about self-love, that if you don't have that, you can't really begin to be supportive in a relationship to someone else. You have to start there. And I came back from Hawaii and within months I met my, my husband and he and I started out in a very vanilla relationship, very monogamous, but he would hear me talk about these sexual exploits that I had (laughs) in between my first and second marriage. And he's like, our sex life isn't like that that's not what we're experiencing, you know? And, and it was this thing where he kept saying, like, I feel like there's a part of you that isn't 
accessible to me because mm. I'm the husband. And there was this very much like this Madonna whore distinction between what, what I could and couldn't be with him. Um, but he's still like, he's like, I'm pretty sure you're a freak in the sheets, but I'm never going to see that. So I'd like to talk about this. I'd like to explore this a little bit. And so that's where these conversations started opening up into cuckolding and things within the lifestyle. Wow. So it was really this invitation from, from E that was like, Hey, I, yeah. I want to know this version of you as well. Yeah. yeah. And at that point you were still working on, uh, bringing back these fragmented pieces. And, and allowing them to be okay. Like I think I, even though I had had this realization at 40 about loving myself and being in my own worth, I still recognized that the part of me that had been exercising her sexuality and this awakening within me was also doing it from a really broken place. I wasn't doing those things from a place of self-love and pleasure. I was doing them from a place of wanting to fill something in myself that was that I thought was missing. And so in my head at first, when he and I started talking about it, I was like, yeah, but I don't want to go back to that. Like that, that wasn't fulfilling in a different way. It was sexually exciting, but it wasn't spiritually fulfilling. And so mm -hmm. we had to do a lot of work around what is, what would this look like then? Because it is a safe, you know, relationship container that he and I had created as the foundation. What could we bring in to kind of add the elements of excitement and freedom and, you know, a little bit of like the taboo-ness of having something within our container that other people wouldn't know about and would be exciting and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So that was, it was a real journey to figure out how to explore. So I have so many questions. <laughs> Which direction do we want to go here? Because I, I do want to know what, what were those first steps? But before we go there, I want to back up a little bit because I find it so interesting that you are acknowledging that maybe the purpose, the intention of you, you know, getting your freak on and embracing your sexuality and having all of these experiences wasn't necessarily um, approached from this like whole place, right? From this healed mm -hmm. place and this woman who loves herself. I'm curious though, how much of that was responsible and was also a part of your healing journey. I love thinking about that. I mean, I think certainly it was a huge part of it. I think understanding I'd, I'd never, I'd never allowed myself to embrace pleasure before, even though I wasn't approaching those sexual encounters and relationships with a deep love for myself, I was putting my pleasure out there first. And that was something that I had never done before and just allowing myself to see where pleasure led me. And so I think that looking at that, it's really beautiful. I also did learn probably about six to 12 months into the journey when we started cuckolding with E. I really began to unpack the Madonna whore complex and understood that part of me kind of reconciling the two was acknowledging that even though I had been a little bit broken at the time in terms of self-love and self-fulfillment, 
I was also really in command and in control of myself. And those were choices that I made that felt really empowering at the time. Mm -hmm. And so when I was able to kind of hold all of that together and say, just because I was making these choices and I wasn't healed within myself, that doesn't negate the choice and it doesn't take away the fact that I was doing something that felt good to me. So allowing those both to be true, that I was really needing a lot of healing, but that I was also really empowered sexually and, and allowing those things to be together was really, it was pretty eye-opening for me when I finally confronted and faced that duality. Thank you. Thank you for going there because I, you know, in listening, I was, you know, just, just hearing everything you're saying. And it's a common thing that we tend to separate our, our, our idea of healing and being whole from the process. And being a coach, so many people like write me and my clients are always asking me, well, um, like they, they want to feel whole or they, they're so hard on themselves or self-deprecating, whatever it may be that their limiting belief or their, their habits of reinforcing themselves as not worthy. Um, it's always interesting because people are like, well, how, how do I do it? How do I get there? And it's like, well, you have to practice acts of self-love in order to, it's not like you snap your fingers and it's like you have this healing. Sure. You can have a a massive spiritual awakening. It sounds like, you know, Hawaii was that for you a little bit or, or a lot of it. Um, and you can have these, like you can do an ayahuasca ceremony. Sure. But it also comes in, in taking ownership and focusing on your pleasure as an empowered woman. And that's a continual, like, habit that's a continual practice of self-love that then over time will eventually help you into that wholeness into feeling complete into you know bringing yourself back and so i just wanted to like frame that for everybody who's listening you know i i always make this like little joke when people are like oh i can't come to a ceremony because um i haven't been doing my you know i haven't been meditating or um, things are just like crazy right now. And one of my teachers one time said, that's like saying you're too sick to see the doctor. <laughs> and <laughs> going off on a little tangent here, but I think it's such an important point to note. You were actually doing all the work that got you to be exactly where you were, mm -hmm. you know, when you realized you were whole and complete and loved yourself. I agree. I think so too. And I, um, I think one of the things that I want to make sure that I say too, is that like, there is no destination here with this healing, right? Like even now, going through a lot of reflection within my own life and circumstances, even within this container we're talking about within cuckolding, where have I always been operating from a place of my own strength and empowerment? Um, where have I done that? And where have I not done that? And where do I might, where do I maybe need to pay some attention and put some boundaries in place to say, oh, I, that didn't feel like I did that for me. So now I'm going to reframe that and, and moving forward, we're going to operate from this place. And just always having to kind of check back in because even once you feel like you've gotten there, there's still so many other layers to pull back. Yeah. New levels, new devils. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So now I kind of want to bring it back to this dynamic because I know it's, it's so interesting even for me to hear what someone else's sort of life is like in in this way of sexuality and kink or 
for you, I've, I've even heard you talk about, this is like a way that you identify, not yeah. necessarily something that you do. Can you just speak to that for a moment of the difference there? So when I think about as a cuckoldress, who am I? It is, it is more of an orientation in the sense that I am an empowered woman who knows what brings me pleasure sexually and who is not going to compromise on what those things are for somebody else's comfort or benefit. And because that's the orientation that I am in with myself, if I don't live from that place, I'm denying myself, I'm turning my back, I'm chipping away at who I am. And it is not something that I just put on like a latex dress and go to a party, which I, I do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like that latex dress. I don't put that identity on. It's literally the place that I live from. Mm. And so anytime something isn't feeling right there, it has to be reevaluated. So I have lots of implements and I have lots of fun outfits and lots of things that I put on when I want to exercise a kink or a fetish. But this identity of, if we're using the word cuckoldress or slut, um, I'm working on a business venture with a girlfriend of mine called Slut Sisters. And for us, slut stands for sexually liberated, unshamed, transformed women. And that's my orientation. Like that's who I am. And so if something isn't aligned in my life with that orientation, it has to be reevaluated and, and it might have to move. Mm. So for me, that's my orientation. I know that part of the conversation you heard is um, my husband E talking about his orientation as a cuckold, right? And so he's not here, can't speak for him, but I would suspect that he would talk about his orientation is that of a man who loves to see his beloved receive pleasure, be dominant with him, loves to feel that energy coming toward him. And if he's not in a relationship that is aligned with that, it's not going to feel for him like he's able to really be fully expressed, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's this idea of when I think about a kink or a fetish, I think it's something that like brings us pleasure, brings us joy, but we can put it on, we can take it off and we can have, you know, it's like wearing your superhero costume, you know, but this is like this orientation and the place that we live from just feels so different. Mm, thank you so much. That was such a beautiful explanation. And also hearing you speak to, you know, of course he's not here, but you know, his experience from, from your viewpoint uh, one that's very symbiotic, you know, which I think when some people know a little bit about cuckolding, it might not seem that way to someone on the outside. And I, I'm shaking my head because I'm thinking when you mentioned earlier that people might have a frame of reference for what the word cuckolding is, there's so much bad porn out there that like really hits home for people what a cuckolding dynamic is. And at the end of the day, a cuckolding dynamic is about love and about expression. And it is not about, you know, these degradation. I mean, there's humiliation can be a part of it. There's lots of things that can be a part of the dynamic, 
but it is not one size fits all. And it's not the representation of what you see in porn. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Thank you so much because yeah, I I want people to know that, you know, just like everything else, don't believe everything you see online. And a lot of times it keeps people from exploring because they're like, well, that's not what I want. So I would love for you to walk us through what an experience looks like from start to finish. Absolutely. So there's different types of experiences, but what I will kind of go with is, is like, okay, let's say I'm going to go out on a date and I'm going to come home the same day and we're going to have some time that we'll, we'll spend together afterwards. So in our dynamic, the way we've typically done things is that I will kind of have this ritual when I'm getting ready to go where he might pick out some lingerie that I like or something like that. I, I'm a control freak about what I wear and all of that sort of thing. But as long as we know that there's like this like kind of parameter of like, oh, here's some options, pick something out that you think would be really sexy for me. And so he'll pick out some, some undergarments for me to wear and I'll kind of get showered or take my bath and, you know, do all of those things that when I'm getting ready, I generally will kind of amp up the level of excitement for him by taking some pictures and things like that, that I will wait to share with him until he knows that I'm with another man. Oh, I love that. I'm getting turned on. Sorry. (laughs) Just by hearing this. I'm like, this is amazing. Well, as a woman who feels compersion, you know, I can understand where that would come from for you. So yeah. So there's this like kind of erotic fantasy that like, oh, my wife's getting ready to go be with somebody else. And, and so I'll do that, whether it's a first meetup or not a first meetup, you know, with somebody more often than not, I am meeting the men that I whether it's play with or have relationships with, I'm meeting them by myself most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so with this ritual, I will wait until I arrive at my destination to send the pictures over to him. And sometimes I'll send them all at once, or sometimes I'll trickle them out a little bit over the evening of me in this, in this stuff that he's picked out for me to wear. Beautiful. I also have a particular perfume that I like to wear when I'm going on my adult play dates that it's like kind of denotes that like this is for that. There's intention here and he'll be able to smell that, you know, in the bedroom when he comes in later and he'll like, oh, I know she was, she put that on, you know. That's so beautiful and intentional. Wait, okay. You, I have to know what perfume it is now. <laughs> it's from Le Labo. So it's <gasps> from your neck of the woods. I yeah. love Le Labo. Yeah. I forget which, uh, what the name of their scent is. Um, we call it Anya's essence is Mm. what the name on the bottle is. And so then when I'm there, most of the time I'll do some like texts a little bit here and there, just kind of teasing him and like egging him on a little bit. So I'll let him know that like, Oh, you know, we're, we're going to go grab drinks. So I'll like send him a picture of like somebody's hand on my leg or Mm. me touching their leg or me looking cheeky with them in the background or, you know, just kind of antagonizing him a little bit and working that angst up. Um, And then when we end up, you know, kind of getting to the point in the night where we are going to have our pleasure and our fun, sometimes I'll either do some little voice memos and like he can hear it, but he can't see it. And that's a little bit like cruel in a, in a really fun way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or sometimes I'll take a little snippet that he can have later. Um, mm-hmm. when I come home, I'll share it with him later, but normally what I'll do at that point, because I'm somebody who's really, when I'm with another 
play partner, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm focused on that. I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun with it. And so I'll just say like, okay, that's, that's it for now. And, you know, and then I'll enjoy the rest of my evening. And then when I go home, that's when he and I will spend some time in reconnection. There's this whole concept in whether you want to call it hot wifing or cuckolding or, and there is a difference and we can talk about that, but we don't need to. This idea of like reclaiming your wife after she's been with someone else. And I can't tell you that how much I hate that concept. Mm. You know, to me, it's very like patriarchal and very ownership oriented. And for me, it is about a reconnection between us when we have the opportunity then to come back together and share a little bit more about the experience and have the kind of dominant play from me to him that he enjoys um, Mm. in that time period where I can tell him about it. And if we want to engage in some verbal humiliation, I can do that, you know? And and so for me, that time is about a reconnecting between he and I um, after I've had the opportunity to go have pleasure elsewhere as well. That's that's kind of a, in a nutshell what a more like of a of a typical time would be, and there's lots of variety off of that, but that's right, that's pretty accurate. Very cool. Thank you so much because you know I think as we were mentioning earlier, it helps people see like okay, this is what this dynamic could look like, and of course there's a spectrum, and it sounds you know beautifully like he gets to be a part of it even though he's not there and has a lot of maybe, you know, we can, I guess, guess what his needs are and they're being met this way. And I love that coming back and reconnecting. Um, that's one of my favorite parts about having dates with other people is I feel so much closer to Pasha when I come home from, you know, being with someone new because you have newness energy and limerence, which, you know, feeds our need for variety. But we also have the need for certainty and security. Safety. And so, yeah, to be able to like have both just, I think, adds to the wholeness and adds to, you know, your pleasure completely. Absolutely. I, I have a question because for me, I, I've struggled in the past with being on dates and wanting to share and wanting to sort of loop Pasha in. And this is sort of something that we kind of had a rocky road with before. Um, and we don't have it so much anymore because I can go and, you know, at both he and I, we can like be on vacation and sort of just check in, but we don't have a lot of rules. Um, you said when you're with somebody, you want to focus there. Um, I've had trouble like, okay, I want to be here and I want to be present. Um, but you know, I also want to be respectful of these agreements. Is it challenging to navigate that? It is very challenging. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were talking about it on a recent episode together um, that just came out, I think, the first part of January, where he was really vulnerable and talked about how, you know, the way cuckold angst is a thing, right? And so their their excitement is often wrapped into this feeling of anxiety and angst. And there are times when that is feeding them and it makes it more pleasurable. And then that might be for like the first hour or two when I'm gone. And then when it kind of turns into hour two or three and a little bit longer, it turns into more of like a a negative feeling rather than Mm -hmm. feeding that excitement. 
And so, of course, that's right around the period of time where I'm going to go dark with communication for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he is then feeling forgotten and yeah. feeling like, well, come on, I, this is about us. I'm right here, you know, and I'm not there. And so, yeah, it is, it has been a real challenge for us. And we talk about that very frankly, because when I am with someone and it is just me one-on-one with someone else, that does sometimes feel very isolating for, for E because he's not getting these experiences with other women the way that I'm getting them. It is something that we really have to stay closely communicating about. And, and also like other dynamics have worked their way into our relationship. So not only do we have a cuckolding dynamic, but I consider myself to be polyamorous. And so if I'm entering into more of an actual relationship with someone that deserves its own energy, that deserves its own container, then that's not somewhere that he fits in, right? And so our agreements around that type of stuff have really had to shift and change as well. So yeah, the challenge is, is definitely there like you were talking about, and we still continue to work through that um, today. Yeah, thank you for sharing. It's, this is, you know, you have your own show. So I know you talk about some of these things, but I'm here like, wow, this must be, you know, vulnerable still, even though you've shared yeah. it. Um, a question that came through for me, is that something that E is just not interested in as far as like potentially being with other women, or is that a boundary that you would not be open to? So I would say primarily that's his choice. Uh, he likes the idea of me controlling that for him and not allowing and being a little bit more demanding and like, you know, no, you're not, you know, you're not getting any of that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that is part of the turn on, I would say, at least thus far. But there have been times where we've talked about, you know, would it be easier for you if we tried to open this up in different ways? And so we've played around with ideas of involving other dominant women in our dynamic. Mm. I also am bisexual. And so I enjoy being with women and I have met a couple of cuckoldresses that I have a lot of attraction to thinking, oh, we could maybe, maybe we could involve other people in a way that would be exciting for him. He's not necessarily looking to go out and have partnership elsewhere, but they're just like we talk about, there are no one person can meet all your needs. I can't necessarily tap into the dominance the way that he might really enjoy it. So we've talked about bringing other people in, in that dynamic where I'm allowing there to be more of an interplay between him and other women that feels exciting to him. But yeah, in terms of him having relationships outside of our container and him not being monogamous to me, that has not been an expressed desire that I've heard from him yet. Mm. And more so a desire for him to have me be as, you know, prolific and enjoy myself as I want, but he'd really, he likes the way that it feels to be devoted to me. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. I mean, just knowing that there are so many different types of orientations and identities and pleasure points for people and that they shift and change. And I think that's what you're sort of demonstrating too, as you share this story, there are these things on the table that are possibilities, you know, bringing in in new people with different energies. And so I just hope that everyone listening is, is hearing that because you choose one lifestyle doesn't mean that, you know, you stay that way. And I love thinking about it like your relationship 
could be a seasonal menu, right? And it's just like, here's what's happening. Here's what we're feeling right now. And let's try these things out. And maybe, you know, we don't want to have strawberries in the winter. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you sort of mentioned other women in this community. Uh And I've been curious about the community. Um, And frankly, because Pasha and I never really found ourselves involved in, you know, a lifestyle community here or um, just really anything of that nature. We, We know people and we've been to parties and we've sort of like, danced on the edges of that, but have you found yourself more involved in a community and sort of made people in that world, your, your friendships and, or your friends and your, um, people that you hang out with on a personal level? Yeah. You know, I would say locally, there aren't a lot of people that we have built community with. Um, but it's, the world is so accessible at your fingertips right now. And so throughout COVID, we got really close with an online community that we met through. Um, there's a couple of lifestyle podcasts that are focused a little bit more on the cuckolding dynamic. And so we got to know some people there. And then we built these groups. We would have happy hours and, you know, all of these different ways of getting to spend time with one another. And then we realized, oh, this whole world is happening on Twitter. (laughs) So there's this aspect of Twitter, we call it dirty Twitter, lifestyle Twitter, whatever, where there is an enormous community of people, kinksters, any, any realm that you could think of, you can find community there. And we have really built a pretty meaningful community just within the cuckolding world or the stag vixen world but there's everything out there. And so for me, it has been incredibly powerful, incredibly empowering to meet a bunch of women whose expressions might vary from mine, but we all have some commonality together. And I mentioned earlier this concept of Slut Sisters that we're going to be launching in a little bit this year. And it has been something that has given life to the community in a way that's been really interesting to see. The men love to see it. The women love to see it. And one of the things that we're really excited about is making this community by women and for women that is not motivated by the male gaze and what they're looking for in us, but it's motivated by, you know, our own empowerment and freedom and and sexuality and our embracing of that. And so the community has been incredibly crucial for me in the last, I would say, two years, and I can only see it going deeper for me moving forward. Wow. This is incredible. I like had full body chills while you were talking about it. Like my nipples are hard, meaning like that's a yes. Um, And I, yes, I think so many women are searching for this and really truly wanting to be a part of something that isn't for anyone but themselves and other women. Um, So please, I will link in the show notes where hopefully we can... (laughs) find more of this. And exciting to know that there's this whole world on Twitter. I didn't even know that. I am not on Twitter. And so I'm going to get my butt there (laughs) because it's, that's, you know, the whole reason why I started this show and why I think you started your podcast, Sexual Alchemy, because we want to, you know, build representation for what people see as like an alternative relationship style. And really when you dive in, you find that, you know, 60 to 70% of people would identify some type of kink as pleasurable. You realize it's 
probably not as alternative as we all are sort of taught. We want to believe it's fringe and we want to think this, but really we all have this within us if we're able to be honest with ourselves. Wow. Well, I feel like this is probably a good place to stop because if we don't, <laughs> we'll just keep talking for hours. For sure. And I know that there'll probably be a part two to this because there's so much to cover with, I think, both of our experiences. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and for opening up to my community. It's been an absolute pleasure, Anya, and thank we'll you. talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Cheers to another incredible conversation in the books. I hope you're having as much fun listening as I am recording these shows for you guys. And it's always my intention to bring beautifully insightful, expressive, and vulnerable people on the show. So if you have any recommendations, if you would like to come on Open Late, let me know. Comment on our most recent post, introduce yourself. And I wanted to remind you all, we launched the OpenLate Dictionary. Yeah, we released an <laughs> illustrated dictionary of terms for anyone interested in these alternative relationship styles or just wanting to be a better communicator, even if you're monogamous. So that dictionary is yours for free check out the link in my bio on Instagram or the show notes to download your free copy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.